everyone, and welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Keji from Connect Ventures. Keji, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is cool. This is cool. <laughs> like I start with every guest, it would be great to hear a little bit about you know where you've come from and what you're doing. I'll start with what I'm doing. So right now, I'm the head of founder network at Connect, which is an awesome role where I basically have the joys of thinking about how we add value to our portfolio companies after we invest in them, and really thinking about how we bring the mission of the network to life, which is uh, to connect our founders with each other um, and their peers because they learn best from each other, and also to help plug their knowledge out. So whether that's introducing them to experts at the right time or just running functional workshops and the like. Um, and prior to that, I have a very checkered background, not like most people. I started off uh, a qualified barrister, went into law for a very short time, hated it. I don't think it suits my personality. <laughs> so um, I then decided, oh, I like events, because I was always seeing events on the side, so I moved into events. Um, but I didn't feel challenged enough. And then I met a wonderful woman at an NGO I was working at, Tanya, who went off to start a company, a tech startup, a female-led one, and she poached me as a head of operations, and I spent a couple of years there, and then spent a couple of years consulting, and then I found Connect. Nice. So I started from the beginning, and went back in time. Right back. Oh, yeah. cool. And what's your favorite part about this role, if you could pick one? Oh, what's my favorite part? Um, I love the variety. I love the fact that... Um, it's basically a blank canvas, so the, the network didn't really exist before I joined, so I basically had the opportunity and the privilege to create something from scratch. Um, yeah, and that's scary and exciting at the same time. Yeah, for sure. But I uh, am. Yeah, I think there's some people that thrive off of that. You know, like yeah. that's exactly why you love doing it, is because you don't know what you're doing because it hasn't been done before, <laughs> but you know, it means that there's no guidebook and you can make your own way. And for those that might not be that might be listening and not necessarily in the startup ecosystem, can you talk a little bit about you know what's seed like what what kind of identities are in the companies that you guys have in your portfolio like what do they look like? Hmm, good question. As a real mix, I mean we back product founders, so um, there's always. They're always exceptional technically. Yeah. Um, so that's always something that's a real technical strength. And then when we invest, usually they're starting to build out their teams. So it really is kind of the fans and the dog kind of thing. <laughs> when it's really small teams and so like we come on really early. And so what we see is, yeah, like very technical founders um, who are starting to build out yeah, the non-technical side of things. Parts right. of the business, yeah. like sales. Sales yeah. and operations and marketing, those are the sort of things that yeah. you know, they're starting to build out. And it, it's kind of like make it or break it time, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they have like a year to 18 months to kind of really move and show that they're you know, getting traction and, and show that things are really moving along because, you know, if they don't show that in that time, usually that's when the funding runs out, right? Yeah. So the startups, it's always a very small window for them to really, really show that they've got something um, that they can build on and then go off and raise more money off the back of that. Mm, so such a cool space. I think there's like a very different energy that follows each stage of growth in a startup. Yes. And the seed one is like very electric. Yes. That's actually probably my favorite. So in the startup I was at, when I was head of operations, I was exactly at, it was very early stage. And you're right when you say it's electric because 
everything is moving so fast and it's literally just a, a group of people who just totally believe and live, breathe, dream this idea and yeah, everything is a first, right? So mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my God, we actually raised money. Oh my God, we've got our first customers. Oh my God, it's just like so many oh my God moments. And then obviously after you kind of found your product market fit and you, you're, you're showing some traction and you're kind of moving into the next stages like the Series A and, and beyond, then it kind of takes shape more of a proper type company. It's a lot more stability. So I think in the seed stage, the type of profiles you see there. I tend to think of them as the first pirates. Yeah. They literally like they wear multiple hats. They want to wear multiple hats yeah. and they thrive on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, and they're like they're the ones that, you know, can sail the boat, fix the boat, basically <laughs> yeah. do any role that's yeah. needed. And then as you start to build the team you find kind of the the less multi-dimensional people. Sorry in advance, listeners, for the background noise. There seems to be <laughs> a lot going on. Street, so this is kind of like, you know, we're right in the thick of yeah, This is the soundtrack of London. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> um, you know, as you start to grow that team and you start bringing in these, like, less generalists, I guess, because yeah. you want to have people that are able to focus on a specific role and can deliver on that. Um, it does create, I think that I've seen a lot of almost cultural tension when that starts to happen. Definitely. And I've seen that too. I think the challenge is when you're bringing on your first pirates, making sure they understand that, you know, everything changes and like yeah. everything's in the stages. So I've seen it definitely firsthand where you have the first individuals in and they're so integral to what you're building. And then when you move to the next stage and you need to bring on people with more expertise, those personalities sometimes really struggle to then have somebody above them who's kind of like, well, you know, but I've been here since the beginning and, yeah. you know, and it's really, it is, I think that's one of the hardest jobs for a CEO is to communicate that and to get them to the early team to understand that they're still very much valued, even though we're bringing on somebody who's probably going to now, you know, yes, sit so. above you. And also, you know, because at that stage you start to really bring the hierarchy in. You, know, yeah. you meet a lot of founders who are like, oh, I, I want a flat structure. In theory, that sounds great. In practice, it can't work because, yeah. you know, you have to have like a chain of command because you will, you just will. Like, yeah. I, don't think, I think it's kind of impossible to think you can build a successful company without having some element of hierarchy. Well, and I th- are those that choose to go the na- no hierarchy route, I think naively think that it's easier. Mm-hmm. But if you choose to go an alternative structure, it takes a lot of effort and energy and focus to... Yeah. You know, do something that goes against the norm and and have rules. And yeah, I think I know people that feel like, for example, holacracy, or that's the most common one, is the way to go because well, you don't have all this bureaucracy or process. But they don't realize that to manage a holocratic system, you still need a lot of energy, time, focus, rules, in a way, process uh, to make it work. Like there's no quick or easy win. Not at all. But you need something. <laughs> I think to opt for nothing is it's chaotic. <laughs> It does not allow for any kind of scale. No, not at all. And I'm curious, so you've seen companies go from, you know, seed and beyond. What are some of the things you would tell an early stage founder before they were to go through that growth to focus on? What would you tell them to focus on? Good question. I'd say in the very beginning, focus on behaviors. So like you rightly said, you know, generalists, you want people who literally 
love the idea of being able to try their hand at anything. So you want those people because you're going to be, everything's going to be moving all the time. For at least your first, like, I don't know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything moves all the time. So you really want people who are excited at the thought of not having any sort of fixed idea of what their role looks like. And then you want people, well, actually what I would say, which sounds a bit strange, is when you're starting to grab your, your hierarchical type team, I would say look at the number two at wherever it is you're trying to pitch from. So let's say you are, mm-hmm. a, I don't know, a wellness company and you're looking at other wellness companies and trying to pitch people from there. Um, oftentimes people want like a really senior person, which makes sense because then you can build a team around this person. But actually what you'll find is that um, the number two to whoever that really senior person is you're looking at mm-hmm. is probably the one who's actually doing the most yeah. work and really yeah. getting their hands dirty and, and you know rolling up the seat and actually uh, executing a lot of whatever plans that they have in, in place. And that person is really ready to be number one yeah. in a small startup. Yeah. And they'll they'll take on that responsibility well. And I've seen it in experience um, when we, we've gone off and hired people like that, they're really excited to take on the experience and take on the challenge because mm-hmm. they're ready to be number one and they're ready to really, you know, like test their metal and see if they're as good as yeah. they, they have been. So I'd say, yeah, in the beginning look for very general, uh, generalist, broad skilled people. As you grow, look for the number two and wherever you're trying to pitch from. Um, and those are, I'd say, like two key places to start. And then also start thinking about hiring against your values, not so much the personality then, like not so much the generalist. Yeah. Think about like what are your values and then find when you're when you're doing the interview process and running that process, make sure that you're interviewing with those values in mind so that um, it's a bit of both uh, space skills, space and values based on. Yeah, totally. And do you see the values coming in maybe a bit later after that year or do early early stage founders need to have values from the onset well i that's a good question i mean i think in an ideal world early stage founders would have the values from the outset but the reality is is the day-to-day running you're not really thinking about that you know no. you're thinking about like the product the features and you know yeah. like thinking about keeping the few customers you have happy thinking about I think founders think about it, but I don't think it's something they can prioritize because there's so many other things that have so much more impact. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the best way would be to bake it in from the outset, but yeah. I think oftentimes when the founding team is quite small and when you're very small, it's hard to really be able to articulate your value as well. And I think sometimes what founders think is a value isn't necessarily a value. Like, I think they get a little bit confused and say, so, like, it's, it's probably better to, not better, but I think it's a better use of time to try and do it a little bit later when you have a stronger idea and you're less kind of, you know, face in the furnace kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I always think you need to have the right headspace to absolutely to put yeah. that stuff in place properly. Yeah, because it takes a lot of time also, it does, you know, yeah. to, like to bake it into your company and then get everyone singing from the same thing sheet. And if you're already stretched, trying to do it and half-assing it, I think is just a really yeah. bad way, bad approach. And like, you know, values are are the behaviors that you want to hold everyone to account. And I think, you know, and I've said this to founders, like in the early stages, you've got to be real with yourself. And sometimes you might behave in a way that you don't want to behave when you're (laughs) 50 people, but when you're five people, you might say things, do things, prioritize stuff that is not scalable, but it's the, it's the focus is product market fit and getting customers. And it's a very different world than when you've got customers and you've got fit yeah. and you've got more people. Absolutely. But having them, I believe strongly that they need to be there in order to 
grow a culture that is sustainable and scalable mm-hmm. um, and can take that original vision and bring it to life. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think you're right, like a lot of fans will have a, an idea of what they're trying to do, but I think like, yeah, without the right headspace to really be able to think through it and think about the implications of like, yeah, are these values I'm going to want to see when we're 150 yeah. in this like, <laughs> we're probably not, okay, let's grab that. Yeah. But yeah, you do need to give time to it and sit and really think through it, so yeah, I think it's a time thing. So we met a few months ago yeah. because you are working on... Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're putting together? Yeah, I will. So um, it is quite top secret, but seeing as we're gonna we're gonna release it this year, I might as well say. So working on. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you know one of the awesome parts of my role is I get to think about what moves the needle for our founders and um, organizing and setting up initiatives that really help them with their plugging the knowledge gaps. So um, one thing I was thinking about uh, with all the founders we get to work with and, and founders I've known in the past is. So a lot of founders are obviously first-time founders, and a lot of them are technically brilliant, but don't necessarily have the requisite skills, the leadership skills, to to grow a team. They're first-time founders, or they've been founders before, but you know they didn't really spend time on the people side of things, the leadership side of things, and um, so it's basically a program that we, with different uh, modules, different subject matters that they can come on and really upskill themselves in that way. So covering everything from, you know, how to manage high performers, which we're going to be doing together, managing underperformers, communication, decision-making skills, uh, growth mindset, all these different things that founders don't often get to give time to and try and learn on the go. So we're thinking, well, you know, we might as well get you up to speed much quicker. Um, So why don't we create this curriculum where you can basically like plug and play and the skill sets you know you're lacking and come learn them. You know, it's it's a it's a process obviously you're not just gonna come through one of these sessions and but at least you don't know what you don't know. So I think being able to be in a room where you can hear about specific things, you know, how to communicate well and if your team are the most important thing, aside from obviously the project you're building, then you want to know how to manage them and how to get the best out of them. Because otherwise it's a very expensive process to keep finding, keep training people up and you know, yeah. And how did you come to those topics? So it was a spent from chatting with our founders and just kind of getting a sense of areas in which they could do with more support. Um, and also just my personal network. I, I've been fortunate to, when I was consulting, I was working with a number of different startups. And so just spending time with those founders and then just a lot of reading. I'm a very big uh, advocate for self-development. So yeah. the Japanese Kaizen principle is what I live my life by, which is like constant self-improvement and, yeah. and you know, self-development. And so it was kind of a mix of all three things. Nice. <laughs> and because and like, I think what I've witnessed is that um, management teams within startups really like live in their own island. Whereas consultants or people, advisors are going from company to company and seeing the same patterns. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to bring everyone into the room together and go, look, it's not just your problem. This is very, it's symptomatic of the stage of business that you're in. So I think it's fantastic to bring out, you know, these are common pain points for everybody in your role. And suffering in silence is not the solution. And it's, it's not going to help you drive forward. I've even found that sometimes people being in the same room together and going, oh, you have that problem too? They already feel immediately a hundred times better. Yeah, you're right. It's also, I think, 
at the moment, everything's running faster. So yeah. investments are being made quicker, you know, more, there's more money around, there's, there's more brilliant fans to back. So I feel like fans have, leaders generally have less time to level up than they yeah. did before. Yeah. You know, so thinking, oh, well, I'll spend 18 months working on the products and blah, 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 and then I'll figure out these things after. You don't have that luxury. So if you're like trying to figure out the product and, you know, grow your team and keep your team, you know, all these things, everything's happening at the same time. So yeah. you don't have the luxury anymore of compartmentalizing these things. Like you owe it to yourself and your company if you're really serious about it being, you know, a great company and actually doing well to make sure you have the skills to lead, right? And the analogy that I've been using with our founders is that the likes of Usain Bolt and Mo Farah, they don't get there just by like training themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever time frame that they just let go like they get there by having somebody really help them see the areas in which they're weak and Mm -hmm. you know helping them really work on that and focus on that and so what this is part of you know we're advocates of executive coaching Mm -hmm. because we really believe that the the role from founder to ceo coo cto is actually a really tricky one and you do need an expert to help you just to kind of like shape where you're going and so this is part of that same thought process which is that you know you're not going to become a good leader well obviously you can by reading books but you don't have the luxury of time so if you want to be the best version of yourself leader wise as quickly as possible then you really should take on you know yeah external support support and advice and and learnings from your peers you know like you have 10 of them in this class together they can share context, perspective, and, and that really, I, I think it's, yeah, it's silly to, to not want to be part of that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I will. I'm mean, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. And I think that there's, what I witness with clients is that there's so many learnings not being had within their own teams. Yeah. Because they don't sit down together and reflect and talk. It's all just heads down getting the job done yeah but that's when you know that the whole adage around it's okay to fail fail Mm -hmm. and I think it's fine to fail if you learn from what you did wrong yeah and I don't see that being done enough it's just like oh that didn't work go back and heads down instead of taking that time to think talk share with peers like that that costs nothing yeah um to learn from each other and go oh I did that last week and it didn't work so don't don't do it Well, you hit the nail on the head because another thing that we're, we were just talking about, um, we're going to be having our retreat next week. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, it's an opportunity for a handful of families limited to 20 to come and talk and reflect and just basically take a step back from their day to day. And like you rightly say, think about things that have worked, think about yeah. things that have failed, but actually have that time and that space to think and reflect and share with, with the other families that are going to be there and, and really just kind of yeah, process stuff that's happening, process the failures as opposed to just running non-stop yeah. like, on this treadmill, uh, which is great to run fast and, and go fast, but I think um, it's only great if you can take periodic steps out to actually think about like where you're going. Yeah. Actually, the best analogy I've ever had is, is my brother, he always says that you should think about it like you're swimming towards a lighthouse. You don't get there by having your head up flailing, but you see the lighthouse and you head back down and keep swimming every so often. You look up to check you're still going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You get your head back down and you just keep going. So that head up reflection, look around time is, uh, is really important and really valuable. And, yeah. I think it's such so great what you guys are doing and the support you provide to your 
portfolio companies because it's it's such a hard job you know like I, I think the media makes it sound very glamorous and it's getting better at showcasing the dark sides to running a business and I, I don't know if this statistic still stands but a few years ago it was you know only 2.5 percent of startups actually succeed mm-hmm. and you've, you've got to think when you look at that number you have to be crazy to jump into it but there's still lots of people getting involved and I think the more you know these networks that that the the funds can provide the better it is for the companies for the founders so that they don't you know swim in the wrong direction they don't they they avoid burnout because there are people around them saying this isn't normal you might read that in an article you might read that about Elon Musk but in practice it's it's been glamorized it's not really true it's not right for you, <laughs> um, whatever it might be. So I think it's it's so fantastic to to hear what you guys are, are doing. I know you like to read and learn. Are there any recommendations on content that you'd uh, want to share that, that you feel has made an impact recently? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I'm reading a lot of books on like body language mm. and behaviors, mm-hmm. um, which I think are really good. So that that on the the um, I can I can provide you like my mind's gone blank, but I'm reading a lot of books around that and persuasion uh, things like that. Um, and also on a business side of things, and I still really love the book Play Bigger. Oh, I haven't um, heard of that. It's fantastic. It's basically all about uh, category design, category creation. And, how um, if you want to set yourself apart now, you basically create a new category. So if I said to you like flat pack furniture, you think of IKEA. If right. I said to you like on demand taxis, you think of Uber. Like they they created an entire category, and, and Playbigger basically talks about that, like how categories are created and how category kings are born and how they dominate. And, and um, yeah, wow, it's very very cool. Really uh, cool. One of our partners, Pietro, read it first, and, and he. Basically, this book's amazing. You have to read it, and I actually read it, and I couldn't put it down. It was brilliant. Nice. So that's on the business side, which I imagine people would probably rather hear about than my uh, body language and persuasion. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think both are equally important too, because you need to have that well-roundedness. Absolutely, you need the EQ side of things without yeah. that. But um, yeah. Any takeaways on the body? Any tips on body language? <laughs> Uh, oh, well, yes, actually, it's um, the most interesting thing I've read so far is that our brain, we have two brains, the system mm-hmm. one and system two. So when you're trying to get someone to do something, either anchor them beforehand. So system one is basically the part of your brain that answers things really easily. So like, is the sky blue? Yes. Is the, I don't know. Is the sky blue? The gray? Yes. <laughs> today. Um, and system two is the side of the brain that requires a lot more thought and a lot more persuasion around it. So if you're trying to get someone to do something, a lot of founders, for example, when they're pitching, they'll come with all these stats and they'll just like try and hammer you over the head of it. But actually what they should be trying to do is think of a way to pitch it in a way that's that's aligned with how system one of the brain works. Yes. So in an easy way, so anchor it with something that you know that whoever you're pitching to is already said yes to. Like yeah. even if yours even if you have to skew it slightly, because further down the line in your presentation you can unpack things. But the whole point is within those first five minutes you have to make sure what you're saying is as aligned to system one as possible because yeah. you're more more likely to get the tick box basically uh, yeah. I think that's a, a, so. a practice used in a lot of um, probably NLP uh, yeah. You know, like, can we agree that puppies are cute? Yes. Yes. And, then you've, and you've already hooked in. And then yeah. Like, okay, well, since we all agree that. Exactly. Let's move on and go deeper and deeper. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I think a lot of people, 
Um, I know I'm working with a couple of like data engineers that, or, or engineers actually in general, where you've got to work on, okay, no one needs to know that yet because yeah. you haven't hooked me yet. <laughs> so what's the very basic way of Absolutely. getting me interested, the consumer way of getting me interested? Um, and I found that working with AI startups like or clean tech startups. I'm like, I don't understand anything you're saying. <laughs> and, and I'm the average customer, right? So like, does it save me money? Will it help the environment? You know, like, you've got to always go to where the, the heart, the, the E and is, the EQ. Yeah. Oh, that's a great tip. So, yeah, that, that is definitely um, something I'm, I'm going to be practicing. <laughs> yeah. I tried on my parents first. What did you, what did you try it with? No, I haven't tried it oh, yet. Oh, yeah, you tried it on your Yeah, I'm having lunch with my father tomorrow, so I'll see if I can whip up something and be like, now that we can agree on... <laughs> Negotiate something exactly. out of that. No. Um, but yeah, that, that is a, definitely a key takeaway, and I think that's if a lot of, if founders can get their head around that, I think that will be that's a form of communication, right? Like it's it's a skill like any other persuasion and getting people to see things from your point of view, um, and a really important one, especially because you know you're either trying to get people to join your team or get people to invest in you yep. or get people to buy your product. Yep. Either way, you know, there's like three key people that you need to persuade at different steps in different ways as yep. well. So yep. having an understanding of that skill, I think, is really um, really important. Really powerful. It is a hectic job. <laughs> Even on the worst days. Indeed. <laughs> well, it's been so fantastic having you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Not at all. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you. I, I always enjoy it. One day I'll be a pro podcaster, but for now I'll just walk around with my microphone and record chats with my friends. Very snazzy microphone. <laughs> but yeah, I'll take a capture of those books that you've recommended. Yes. And we should do this again soon sometime. Absolutely. I will look forward to it. This has been awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you.